What's up, guys? You're listening to Uv Radio. My name is Felix. I am joined once again by Jeroen Kreinbrink, author of the wonderful novel No More Bananas, How to Keep Your Cool in the Collective Madness. This is the um, sixth part in our 10-part series on how to get rid of your bananas, i.e. make yourself more happy, more controlled, more everything, less stressed out. Just generally be more satisfied in your day-to-day life. So we're on to step five now, which is all about building character. And I understand that by build character, you mean be more of a individual person. Exactly. Yeah. So it, it's it's you who decides. Hmm. I think that's what what the main message here in this uh, in this chapter in this step is: don't go uh, with the flow. Don't try to do uh, what others expect from you, hmm. uh, but try to sort of be an individual. Hmm. But not in the sense of soul searching, because soul searching no, no, no. is more. I feel like when you soul search, as we discussed in the previous podcast, that's with the um, presupposition that you don't know who you are already. Exactly. So this is yep. this is ignoring that, being like, maybe I don't know who I am. Nobody knows who they are. Yeah. Be- being I am is not a thing. So accepting that and then being like, okay, how can I now take some steps to build up a sense of genuine identity? Yeah, and, and build up a sense of confidence about yourself as mm. you are now. So yeah. assume you know who you are. Like maybe it's just make an assumption, okay, I'm pretty confident that I know what I want to do and what I don't want to do, and that you can make... It's also... Maybe I could have called it, like, be an adult, mm. because that's what it, it, this is about as well. It's like, we are all... Uh, I'm assuming that most people that listen are, are adults, uh, and as adult human beings, we can pretty much make our own decisions and also do things even if others don't like that. Uh, but if we really uh, think those are the, the right things to do, yeah, why not? Mm. So the first one from this chapter is ignore apps and device. And by apps, you mean social media apps, of course. Yeah, it, it's it's social media. Actually, ignore um, a little bit broader than that. It, it's it, maybe technology. Mm-hmm. Uh, like there's all kind of sensors we use in our, for instance, when driving a car, you have I don't know a zillion uh, safety systems. If you have a new car, with all kind of sensors and warning signals and telling, mm-hmm. we have indeed apps on our phone, but also in our homes, all kind of uh, indicators telling us whether it's warm outside, for instance, all kind of weather apps. You look at your weather app, think, okay, what should I wear? You look at the temperature there, or what the expectation is. Uh, so there's all kind of apps on your I phone. I mean, that can be quite useful, obviously, because you know you need to decide whether or not to wear shorts or not. That's a massive decision. That can, <laughs> I, I can make or break your day. So. <laughs> yeah, but, but rather than um, having those apps and technology sort of or, or um, recommendations by others sort of decide for you, you can also make it up yourself. You can walk outside and have a look and feel, okay, feels good. Mm. I'm going to wear my shorts today. Uh, or I'm going to bring my umbrella. Yeah. Um, and of course, this is not... A lot of it is very convenient. A lot of these apps, a lot of the technology we use, a lot of the advice we can get is very convenient. But that's a little bit of the point. It might be too convenient because it makes you lazy. Yeah. Uh, and the this build character, the, the, the chapter, and especially this, this first remedy there, ignore apps and advice, it's like an exercise in, in training your autonomy. Uh, try to be more autonomous and... Make sure you can still make those decisions. Maybe you can, you can have and benefit from the convenience of the technology, the advice, and, and advice and the apps. Hmm. But make sure you don't depend on it too much. Yeah, 
I think I, I really see what you mean when, with regards to the advice bit from other people. Because I think nowadays we're taught so much to, you know, get opinions from everybody. And, you yeah. know, express yourself, see what everyone thinks, can take them in. But it can be so confusing and make you forget what you really want. Yeah, and maybe, time. indeed, because you might you might know very well if you just yeah. think about it for a second. Uh, and I, you only become less confident because yeah. you might get conflicting advices. Or you might listen to their advice and think, but that's not really what I would do. Yeah, I've had the same with career advice. There's all kind of career advice you can get. Sometimes it's very useful, but it's the standard general advice that might not work for you, and you might know that. Uh, you, uh, mm. so that's what what this 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 remedy is very much about. I read this very good book a few years ago. I don't know if you've read it. It's called Blink by Malcolm Gladwell, and it's all about subconscious thinking mm -hmm. and how. He was basically advocating for people to trust their subconscious thought. And that yep. a lot of the time we think that by, you know, thinking about things a lot and taking different perspectives and advice into consideration, that will result in an optimal decision. But a lot of the time you find that we have so much going on in our subconscious mind, which tells us immediately yep. what we want. And we call that our gut feeling. Yeah. Trust people your gut. Trust your gut, exactly. And this this whole book was advocating for that and showing examples where subconscious impulse decisions yeah. for a lot of things can actually be the best ones. Yes, there's a lot of research on that and a lot yeah. of evidence that our subconscious is superior in making complex decisions and fast decisions. Yeah, definitely. But we are now, we're very much in a society where we are trained to to think about, um, to, to explain things, to yeah. rationally to make decisions. as well. Uh, and that's why we might be very uncertain because, yeah, you might feel that this is the right move in picking a career in picking a study whatever or in picking a dress uh, but people other people might advise might advise you rationally and giving you objective reasons why something else would be better mm. but maybe it's not better for you uh, and subconsciously you might know that perfectly but we are sort of trained to ignore that in our voice yeah definitely i found it interesting as well towards the end of this one where you were talking about um putting down smartphones turning off wi-fi and data I'm not sure we spoke about this in the first podcast, but this was something that I tried a couple of months ago when I was feeling particularly down. Mm -hmm. And uh, I saw a YouTube video about something called the dopamine fast, mm -hmm. which was very interesting. And it was all, it's like quite a radical, well, not radical, but serious thing to do where uh, for a whole day you wake up and you try your best to eat nothing. You can drink water. Mm -hmm. um, you can't drink alcohol or fizzy drinks, sugary drinks, whatever. Um, you can't look at screens. Mm -hmm. You can't read books, you can't do exercise, you can't do anything that gives you a kick of dopamine mm -hmm. because we're so used nowadays to having everything at our fingertips. Yeah, if, you want, yeah. if you want nice food, go get nice food. If you want you know, sweet food, do that. If you want to read a cool book, read a cool book, exercise. Even the things that we think are constructive forms of dopamine, which you know, yeah. large in part they are, yeah. it's still we're just addicted to this. And the sensation that you get, it's like when you take drugs as well and you get you know, a complete, you know, ejaculation of dopamine in your mind yeah. after taking ecstasy. In the next three days, you just feel like total shit. That's, you know, kind of an extreme form of what we do every day by looking at our phones, yeah. by going on Facebook. Every time you see something on Facebook yeah. or you get a message from somebody, you know, a friend, that's a little kick of dopamine. Yeah. So this dopamine fast is intended to wax you off that for a short period of time. And the only thing that you're allowed to do is go for a walk or write. Mm -hmm. 
and drink water for a whole day. And what's great about it as well is that we get taught so much in these self-help books and, you know, self-help videos on YouTube and whatever. It's things that we need to do and change mm -hmm. and things will make us more happy. Whereas this is something that all you have to do is not do it's not doing things. it. Yeah. So just sit there, lie there, write, write some stuff, write a journal, yeah. write a poem, go for a walk around town and that's it. Yeah. And I tried it a couple of times and it worked very well. And I intend to do one at some point in the near future again when I'm a bit less busy. Oh yeah, I can certainly recommend it. Yeah. Which is one while the very why the very first step, if you remember, is, is calming down. Yeah. If, if the remedy one point four is, is is seek the silence. The way I wrote it is not as advanced probably as, as you describe it now in that entire book. Yeah. Um, but uh, it, it's the same idea. It's make sure you don't have too much. It may make sure your dopamine levels are uh, reduced. Mm. But we have these, these like Googling something. When you have your phone with you and you're having a discussion, there's some topic that you're not exactly sure about. Immediately someone will, will pick the phone and, and, and yeah. look it up. Why? You can do it without. Yeah, definitely. And, I, I, did a, I did a course a couple of years ago called Decision Making. Mm -hmm. And it was very interesting because it was all you know psychology based. And there was one bit I remember that was actually, you find that choice satisfaction, you tend to think that, okay, the more options you have of something, the more happy you'll be afterwards. So you want a high selection of things. That's mm -hmm. the way we think. So when you see like, you know, you can have any of a hundred types of M&M mm -hmm. when you're in M&M's world. You're like, oh yes. But actually you find that you get more satisfaction out of it when there's less options. Yep. And that because of the fact you have buyer's remorse and that you think about it too much and you think, oh, I should have bought that thing, that thing. Yeah, that would have <laughs> yeah, Exactly. But when it's just three things on the menu, it's like, you, have you been to In-N-Out Burger in America? No, I haven't. It's very, very good. And one of the reasons why I like it so much is you, know, you go to most restaurants or fast food restaurants and they have, you know, 50 things on the menu. You can get chicken, yeah. beef, you know, pork, whatever. In the different wings, sizes with options and toppings. Everything. What do you want for your sides? In and out Burger, all they have is cheeseburger, double cheeseburger, triple cheeseburger, fries. That's the entire menu. Yeah. And everyone loves it. And I think a massive part of that is obviously the food's very good, but it's the fact that it's just so simple. And mm -hmm. when you go there, you don't have to think. <laughs> you just buy the burger, eat the burger, leave, you're happy. Yeah. So I think the lesson there is create its simplicity for yourself. Yeah. Don't look at all the options, uh, which is not not so much even the, this particular remedy, but that's, I think, one of the lessons in the book as well. It's, and we, talk, we talked about that earlier, is, is don't look for the ultimate answer, the ultimate solution, the best burger. Yeah. Uh, but just pick the one. Okay, there's three options. If others are making life simple for us by offering us three options, why not do that yourself? Mm. So pick the... Look at a few options and pick the one that you like best. Yeah. I think that's a very practical and nice way of, 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 of living. So you're not looking, you're not picking the very first option, but you compare a few of them and then pick the best. Mm. And then you go on. I think as well as that we're kind of trained to seek advice. And you can always, you always mm -hmm. when you ask for a piece of advice, the implicit uh, thing you base it on is, okay, I can ask for advice, but I don't necessarily yeah. have to follow it. But I feel like as soon as you ask for it, that's implying that you don't really know what you're doing in the first place. Yeah. And that you start to question yourself then. So I struggle with it a lot. I'm quite an indecisive person. And I always find myself in situations like, oh, should I do this or should I do that? And yeah. I'm asking people and they're like, I don't really know, but I'll give yeah. my opinion. 
and then it just gets confusing. And it's I think it's actually maybe better to just from the get go just don't really ask in certain situations if you think you're that kind of person. Yes, indecisive. And, and there is there's a particular order in the steps for a particular reason. So we're now sort of halfway a little bit about halfway step number five, which is still you have to sort of prepare your mind to uh, to live in the crazy world. That's sort of what what you're this is building character. In the very final steps, the, the whole idea is actually to open up again. Mm. So one of the remedies there, explore perspective. So that is actually, you could, you could say that's asking for advice or at least asking other one's perspective. But I think in this stage in the, uh, in the process or in the journey, um, build, build character first. I think you have to, first you have to have the confidence that you can decide for yourself. And once you have that, then you can ask for other one's perspectives. Because then they are perspectives. Then they are not sort of advice that you feel you have to uh, follow up. Yeah, definitely. So that is uh, Ignore Apps and Device, Banana Remedy 5.1. To build a banana-proof character that can withstand the collective lunacy, you want to be able to make decisions on your own. Therefore, reduce your reliance on technology and others in making decisions. Very nice. On to the next bit, 5.2, Deviate from the Herd. Again, this is something that I haven't personally struggled with so much myself. I was reading through it and you were going through some ways in which uh, you can do mm -hmm. this. And I think one of the best ones and one that I actively try and do quite a lot is do things that you know you're going to get judged for. Mm -hmm. Like, for example, the other day on Tuesday when uh, we were going to record then and it turned out to be 5,000 degrees and mm -hmm. it was the hottest I'd ever felt Amsterdam in four years. Couldn't even get in the tram because it was so hot. And I got on the tram got off within five seconds and I was like, okay, I'm just going to walk all the way from Leidset to Central. And I was walking through the city, just boiling, sweating, just blah. And then I was thinking like, oh, I'd love to just take my shirt off and walk around the city right now. And I saw one other guy do it. The whole city. And I, mm -hmm. as soon as I saw him, I was like, yeah, that's me. Took my shirt off, walked through the whole city, topless, down mm -hmm. the canals. And maybe it's just like, that's definitely partly a British thing. Mm -hmm. is that we're all very inclined to get our shirts off at the first mm -hmm. available opportunity. But I really like that because I could feel everyone judging me. As mm -hmm. I was walking down these canals and these busy streets, I just getting looks, dirty looks from everyone. And I was just like, you know what? I like this. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of like, I guess to a certain point where I got on the ferry and I was like, that's enough. Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Sure, that's the kind of thing I, I mean here. It's, of course, there's an extreme uh, side. Of course, you shouldn't, deviate too far from don't go the social norms people, yeah. don't, indeed, don't go <laughs> or throw throw bikes in the water yeah, yeah. Uh, but there's <laughs> like a, there so it's a bit of social obedience there's all kind of social norms that are written mostly unwritten about what we're supposed to do and you see that's that's what defines culture yeah uh, so we are supposed uh, i think christmas is always a good example if you really look at it objectively christmas is is complete lunacy because we yeah. are suddenly we everyone is, is buying a tree putting a tree in their house decorating it with all kind of lights uh, so that's that might be nice but it's also it, it's like a social norm that you should do that mm, but I, I feel like with christmas and certain holidays and traditions like that it's not so much about a social norm it's just that it's it's nice at one point in the year mm -hmm. to decorate and to put up a tree and to have everyone around and you know mm -hmm. sing christmas songs because it's nice to do those things but it wouldn't be nice if we did them throughout the year 
if you mm. had the decorations no. up. But why not do why not do it year? in June? Instead yeah. of in December. Yeah, we could, but nobody else does it in June, you know? It's like in Australia they do it in summer. We do it in winter. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so but there's all kind of social norms about what you're supposed to do. Uh and, and I think the point here is not is breaking those rules, but the point is that by doing so you you find out that actually nothing really terrible happens. So this is again about sort of dealing with your fears and finding out that they're not so real. Mm. Uh, that that's yeah, that's why deviating from the herd I think is a good uh, yeah, good good way of, of building character. And of course you take into account what is sort of really unacceptable and uh, and I think taking off your shirt in Amsterdam is sort of on on the edge of what is still uh, <laughs> Yeah, it was a funny one because I was walking and I was I was thinking about I always try and do them in situations where um I mean I was raised a lot to question authority mm -hmm. and I think to to do this one a big part of that is questioning authority and that kind mm -hmm. of non-specified you know mm -hmm. herd mentality thing that we yeah. all buy into to live in civil society but a lot of the time it can be arbitrary like with yeah. not taking off your shirt when it's 35 degrees outside even though I was thinking about it, I was like, you know, if I was in a park right now, it would be absolutely fine for me to do this. Yeah. Nobody would judge me. Despite the fact that in a park, there's trees and open spaces. So it's actually, you know, noticeably cooler mm -hmm. than it is when you're walking down yeah. a canal or through a busy street. So why is it that in the cool place, I can take off my top in the same city side by side. Yeah. But as soon as I get onto the street, I have to put my shirt back on as if it's now like a professional environment. It's still like a public space, the exact same as a park. Yeah. So this was your, your way of deviating from the herd. Yeah, this trying, is, this to, is trying also... to rationalize these things and question them and see if yeah. they actually stand the test of logic. And, and the herd could don't. actually be also just your, a very small peer group. It's like within a WhatsApp group, for instance. Yeah. It could be very common that you, you have a group with friends or colleagues and then there's someone, someone's birthday. Everyone congratulates and you have to do that as well if you don't it's like if you feel you have to i think that's yeah, yeah, where yeah. the point where you might decide okay i'm not uh, or or liking something on facebook where you as soon as you start feeling that i have to do this but actually i don't feel like doing this i think that's where uh, you can start building character and then don't yeah, definitely i remember i i think everyone especially with a uh, birthday wishes via facebook now it's become a thing that it's so easy to wish someone happy yeah. birthday it doesn't it becomes, mean anything anymore it becomes expected yeah. but with close friends it kind of does because you expect yeah. it i mean it depends differs for every person how much they use social media how attentive they are with these things i'm always quite attentive so if it's a close friend of mine birthday i always send send them a happy birthday message i remember two close friends of mine jamie and chris shower boys neither of them said happy birthday to me a couple months ago and the day after i was a bit annoyed i was mm -hmm. like We've been, we've been mates since we were like, you know, 15. <laughs> then I realized, like, obviously, you know, it means nothing. They just didn't fucking see it, you know? Yeah. But yeah, that's uh, deviating from the herd. Banana Remedy 5.2. Stop caring about and conforming to what others think you should do. They don't care. And even if they do, you can still deviate. Show some social disobedience and break a few social rules. I really like this one, actually. <laughs> I think it's... I think it's quite important now, especially that we live in the social media age, and it's so easy to fall into these yeah. trends and, and, and things the, the, that we the, should do. The, the crucial part is it's uh, stop caring about and conforming to what you think others think you should do. Yeah. Because you think that others care a lot, uh, but I think most, in many cases, they don't. Mm. Uh, I think that's also what this is. 
it's your self-inflicted norm that you think that others uh, want you to do stuff but if you don't yeah mm. i think as well it's not just about actions it's also about your opinions because of a lot of the time i see you know echo chambers on social media or in social groups mm -hmm. where everyone has loosely the same opinion because everyone runs in the same circles and you're, you're within your own bubble so it can be quite hard to get out of that and actually question your own yeah. beliefs and see if they stand a test of logic but yeah on to the next one 5.3 take a risk deviating from the herd means taking a social risk you risk being judged hammered or expelled well, i love getting hammered so that's all right getting over that and finding out that life is rarely that harsh is one way of building character through taking risks this is a, a bit of a tricky one because i feel like it's something that is a bit more vague you know take a risk you know, mm -hmm. take the plunge and a lot of the time you find yourself in situations which make you feel uncomfortable mm -hmm. so this is more about that and one way i always conceptualize it um is that if i find myself in or if i'm thinking about something so for example uh recently i've had a bit of a fear of public speaking which might be surprising given the fact that i do podcasts mm -hmm. um but yeah, I really don't like it. And I, if I have to think about it and I get a date for my presentation for my mm -hmm. module, I'm like, oh, yeah, nah, so I nervous. yeah, I don't want to do that. Like, I just don't want to do that. That's not my thing. Even though I know I'm reasonably good at it and it's fine and it's, you know, when you rationalize it, yeah. but it's still uncomfortable. But it's something that I have to do and I have to get yeah. better at because that's just a part of life. So what do you do? What I really do is that I try my best not to think about it. I plan effectively for it. I prepare yeah. for it. A lot more than i used to when i used to do presentations yeah. um but also when i go into it and i find myself in that uncomfortable situation and not just with this with other things that i think about mm -hmm. and i know make me uncomfortable i try and revel in it a little bit and realize that this is based on some prior thing in my head which doesn't make any sense yeah. and that's what's causing me to be uncomfortable yeah exactly. and the fact that i am uncomfortable and i know that it's a good thing i'm here means that it's probably a good thing that I'm feeling uncomfortable yeah. and then it will get better. So actually don't worry about the fact that you're nervous or you're anything. Exactly. Enjoy the fact that your heart rate's going through the roof and that you're about to, you know, do something that really scares you. And do it, do it anyway. And I think that's the good point of what, exactly, what you're saying. Yeah. If, if it's and actually public speaking is one just, of the examples like, I, I it's use. It's the night campaign. Just, yeah. just do it. Just do it. And yeah. you'll find out that it's nowhere near as bad as you think it is. Yeah. And I think the main, the worst thing would be not doing it because of, the fears and again this yeah. is about pseudo fears it's it's yeah what could happen so you have imaginary fears and that everyone would laugh at you or that something i don't know what your thoughts are but they're irrational uh, and and especially public speaking is something that a lot of people uh, fear i i feared that uh, i think when i was a was a kid that was the really the worst thing on earth that, that in, in class i had Uber lecturers. <laughs> yeah, so I, I have never Look imagined that. that I would would enjoy standing in front even of a class, but but preferably maybe even for a large audience. Um, so there's there's you find out that actually it's not scary. Hmm. I think that's the point of taking a risk. Uh, is yeah, you might be afraid of something, but get out of your comfort zone uh, because otherwise you get more scared uh, and you want to avoid everything. Because if you, if you wouldn't go public speaking then you would never do it again. Exactly. And then, yeah. there, then there's a next thing you are scared about. You would never do that again. Uh, you would stop doing interviews on the radio. Yeah, uh, Because, exactly. yeah, it's actually 
So you get afraid and afraid and afraid, and that's to break that circle. Yeah. Taking a risk yeah. is, uh, is is the remedy here. Yeah, I remember I I didn't do it for like nearly a whole year, pretty much, because I had a couple bad ones last year, which really made me feel yeah. uncomfortable. And that was me kind of realizing that I had a bit of a fear. I was just it also conflicted so much with how I thought of myself, yeah. of like because I used to be so good at them, and now I found myself feeling uncomfortable, feeling shaky, and I wasn't. Yeah thinking about them properly but still do it still do it and then i internalized it and then i remember a couple months ago i finally did one it was because this year i haven't been taking as many modules and i had one and i was like and i think it was weekly presentations i was like oh god <laughs> and i missed the first one i called in sick i bottled it and the next week i was like no 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 not even for the presentation for the grade i couldn't care less about obviously i care about a little bit but this was really just to prove it to myself. And I did it and I stood up there, it was like 15 minutes and I felt amazing after it. Like yeah, I'd great. really accomplished something. And the good thing yeah. is, and that's also what I emphasize here is that I think usually you will succeed because you will find out it wasn't nearly as scary as you thought. Yeah. But even if you fail, you have uh, you have built character because you have nevertheless done it. Yeah. You, you have allowed yourself to fail publicly in this case. So that's, I think, a great experience for uh, that you take with you as well. Exactly, and it's about going back to step four, dethroning yourself, about embracing your unimportance. Yep. There's no need to worry about that, about failing, because nobody cares. No. It's no big deal. Um, so yes, banana remedy, step three, or 5.3, take a risk. Step over your fears and take a risk. Realize that most of them reflect the fear that of the unknown and are not real. Focus on the upside and go for it. If it works, great. And if it doesn't, you build character. That's what me and my flatmate always says whenever there's some shit stuff going on. It's, oh, it's, it's character building. <laughs> yeah, and it's not, not the, 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 the cliche remark is what you learn something. I think what is important here that there is you you build yeah you build character. Yeah. So on to the next one, which is about guarding your boundaries. And what do you mean by this exactly? Because I wasn't dare to say no. Dare to say no. I think that's what this is. You, if you are always uh, saying yes to people, um, you are building up sort of banana tension hmm. because actually you don't want to do that uh and there's a, a lot we, we're asking a lot of a lot from each other um and that's what thing what guarding your boundaries is about know where they are uh, and then say no so if there's an invitation to a party you don't want to go say no hmm. if someone asks you to do something but you actually you're not the one that should be doing it or you you don't have time say no uh, that's what guarding your boundaries is uh, is about. Um, yeah, because you have to sort of protect who you are and what you can do uh, because everyone has, has their boundaries. But it's easy to sort of forget about them or, or be too flexible and say yes to everything because we think, again, we think we are important and that we should be doing it, that no one else can do it. Uh, so that's why a lot of people, uh, including myself, end up doing too much. Yeah. Uh, which of things that, that we better and it's have kind other of, people do. It's kind of the flip side to taking a risk. Because, you know, taking a risk yeah. is saying yes, guarding your boundaries is saying no. Yeah. But I feel like with taking a risk, it's more about in situations where you haven't done it so much and yeah. you're not used to saying yes. So guarding your boundaries is your real is your real boundaries. Yeah. I've no, I've had to do it a lot recently with um, going out drinking and things yeah. like this. And when people ask, "Oh, do you want to come clubbing? Do you want to go out?" A lot of my friends who still go out a lot. I'm yeah. like, I have to say no, 
which feels quite alien to me. Yeah. Because I was always the person who'd be like, yeah, 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 yeah always down yeah. for it, you know. But and not now. now. It's, yeah, yeah, not now anymore. And it's about growing as well. Yes. And that's that's um, so taking a risk again. If, if public speaking is the thing that, that that the risk would be, if after three times you find out that this is really not your thing, then this becomes also guard your boundaries. Yeah. It, okay, next time I'm just going to say no because I know it feels too terrible. Yeah. So together, and that's why we have in every step we have various um, remedies. It's exploring where is you, where's the boundary, where is you. Where are you doing the things that you want to do, you as an individual, and where are you just conforming to what others are doing? Yeah, and definitely. Yeah, together with with the previous remedy that's I think guard your boundaries helped you to do that. So banana remedy five point four, guard your boundaries. Know how far you can go and want to go, and say no when something seems to be going to cross that boundary. Realize that guarding your boundary is not only good for you, but is also good for others. So on remedy 5.5 adopting a work rest a work rest rhythm Rhythm, yes it's a tough word this is one that took me a while to learn if you're a traditional nine to five job where you and your colleagues take breaks and have lunch every day at the exact same time and where you leave the office exactly at 5 p.m you factually have a clear work rest rhythm even though this may look a lot of very old-fashioned nowadays or even claustrophobic there is a lot to say for it i really have to agree with that because I remember when I was in high school, that was really the last time that I had a proper structured routine. And life was a lot easier in many senses back then. Uh Because it was really just, you know, wake up, go to school, do your stuff, come home, no worries. And just repeat that for five days and then have the weekend off. And another time where I had that recently was uh, I did a week of work experience at Reuters back in February. And I had to wake up every day at 7.30, out of the house by 8.00. At my desk by nine, and I was doing work that I really enjoyed, and I was in an amazing mm-hmm. environment. And then I'd leave at five, but the day went so quick. And then in the evening, I just felt great, and I felt like I'd kind of earned yeah. my rest, and that this was, yeah. you know, this was the right way to do it in a sense. Yeah, and it's sort of against what we're supposed to do because we are supposed to enjoy our freedom. And the same for me. I was, uh, I've been employed for a very long time, but. I think for for a couple of years I'm I'm independent, so I can completely uh, arrange my own calendar, uh, get up when I want, uh, go to bed when I want. Um, But the structure, and that's what work rest rhythm is about. So make sure you have a structure that Mm. is sort of similar every day, because that that creates a rhythm where. at the end, and this is part of the building character chapter, so you could wonder why is this building character. But the end, at the end, it's you who decides when you start doing things and stop doing things. Without that rhythm that you're trying to stick to, you just jump on every opportunity. Or if someone asks you to do something, you, you do that. And if some opportunity pops up, you do this. If your email, your WhatsApp, your Facebook message gets there, you go and, and answer it. So your, your structure in the, in the day is, um, is a mess. When you force yourself to live, uh, to work in this sort of rhythm, you get up at, I don't know, at seven, then you do some exercises, you have breakfast, then you write, then you, or you, you, you study, or you, then you have lunch. If you force yourself to stick to that rhythm, uh, it's you who are in control. Mm. And the good, thing, the good thing about it is it learns you, uh, it makes it easier to stop things and it makes it easier to start things. 
because then the clock dictates, okay, it's 12 now, I have to stop. Once you're used to that, it's much easier to stop, but it also it's much easier to start because you are, then after lunch, you can start again with the stuff you were, uh, were working yeah. on. I like the bit here where you spoke about the Benedictine monks and their monastery life. And you went to go stay with them a couple of times yeah, as well. Yeah, for a couple of times, a couple of days. Are you yeah. religious yourself? Uh, no. Yeah, because there's a lot of services in here. Yes, Is uh, that, I went are, there. Yeah. Are, are they full masses? No, the they shorted their half hour. Uh, yeah, I like the half hour ones. I was raised Catholic myself. I don't particularly subscribe to that much anymore, but I like a lot of the you know teaching behind it and the morality and everything and the tradition, I guess. Yeah, and that's I, t I take a lot of the lessons from these these, um, these 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 monks, and throughout the book you will find that. Hmm. And of course, the the religious core that's the core of their life. But from the rest, what they're doing, we can learn a lot. Uh, yeah. Like the very strict rhythm they have. And actually, what I found out is while being there, uh, total number of hours available for work was much less. I think there were about six hours left for work. But what I achieved in those six hours was much more because I took enough breaks, if you call the, the service a break, uh, but you're, you're doing something else. Is uh, anybody able to do this? Just go stay with them? In, in this, this particular monastery, if, you, if you're male, yes. Where was it? <laughs> in Dutenchem, uh, in the place where I, where I, oh, where okay. I live. There's, there's um, a big Benedictine. I really might be interested in this. It looks yeah. it looks pretty good. It's 5.45, get up, 6.15, first service, 6.45, breakfast, 7.30, second service, 8.15, reading, 9.30, third service, 10.15, study and work, 12.15, fourth service, 12.30, lunch, 1 o'clock, dishes, 1.30, study and work, 5, fifth service, 5.30, meditation and prayer, 7, Dinner, seven thirty dishes, eight thirty six and last and last service. That is a lot of mass yeah. for one day, every day throughout the whole year. Yeah, including wow. weekends. But again, the whole rhythm uh, and being forced to stop because there's a bell ringing, uh, and afterward you you it's so easy to start stuff. And I can recommend. And I have to be honest, I didn't make the first service at five forty five. <laughs> so let me be start the day full, full disclosure here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but but still, the, only five masses a day, <laughs> But still, it point? made me get a lot um, right up because actually a lot large part of writing the book I did there, uh, and it it really it really worked. Uh, and what I found the very interesting thing is that we are supposed to, at least I was. I thought I was supposed to, when you're working on something, when you're in a flow, you go on yeah. until it's done. The one thing I learned there, uh, amongst other things, is that that doesn't work. If you are forced to stop because the bell is ringing, you just stop, you drop everything, and half an hour later, it's much easier to start. So it's a good remedy against a writer's block as well, because you're always picking at something you started already before. And that's the, the, th the threshold to start is much lower. And you can apply that to work, whatever you do, studying. If you didn't finish a particular chapter studying, uh, I don't know, in the morning, uh, it's much easier to pick it up again in the afternoon. Definitely, yeah. yeah. So that's a sort of against the way we, we think that we should at first finish it, but it has helped me a lot. Um, so that's adopting a work uh, rest rhythm. 
Indeed. So get control of your daily agenda by adopting a as rigid as possible work rest rhythm. Define up front when you work and when you take rest. This makes you feel more in control and you get more done. So that has been step five, building character. I do hope you've enjoyed this. We're going to set step six now in the next podcast. It's all about detoxing yourself. So be sure to tune in and we'll see you then. All right. Bye-bye. In a bit.